Hey, welcome to Ireland Problems, the mental health podcast. I'm Elliot. And I'm Liv, and we're your hosts for as long as you need us. Before we get started, make sure you check in with yourself. How are you feeling today? Have you had a breakdown? If so, don't stress. Because we'll probably be joining you soon. <laughs> so grab a glass and let's dig up the past. We hope you've got your shovel, kids. Because it's going to get messy. Hey guys, welcome back to WAP episode 8, Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Had Therapy, I wish. Oh yeah. I wish. On today's episode, we are talking all things therapy and sitting comfortably in a therapist chair opposite us today is Lizzie Deverney. Hello, hello, how are Hi. you? Hello, hi, hi, I'm good, thank you, very good, enjoying the sunshine. Oh, know, it's yeah. today. Yeah. So Lizzie, tell us a little bit about yourself, about you know, the profession? So I've worked with clients of, of all ages, uh, client groups, races, cultures, uh, cultural backgrounds, sexual orientations. I've worked in the private sector in schools uh, within local authorities and more recently the youth service uh, and even more recently higher education in performing arts. Amazing. So that's a whistle-stop tour. So amazing, let's dive in. So to start off, I guess the easiest question to ask, what is therapy so therapy um there's different types of therapies you know this this physiotherapy there's massage there's lots of different types of therapy um but the therapy that i do is therapeutic in terms of the mind and speaking and talking therapy so it's basically to provide a, a, a safe and confidential non-judgmental space uh for a person to be able to talk to a trained professional about some challenges they may be facing or it might be a particular issue. Um, And the therapy gives a person the opportunity to to help them explore really sort of thoughts and feelings and behaviours and and hopefully enable them to have a better understanding of themselves um, and also others, relationships with others. And and also it's about building trust with the therapist. So it's quite, it's a process, I would say it's a process. And an interesting and rewarding process, I would say. I would say that as well. Building trust mm-hmm. with a therapist is such a, it's a very big and important thing in yeah. the journey of that. Because if you don't trust them, then you're not, you're not going to open up. You're not no, going to go exactly. any further, really, are you? You've got to build like the first few sessions, like building that rapport and yeah. building that relationship and that trust. And then once you establish that, I think that's when you start to like really see the benefits of therapy yeah Yeah, exactly it's about giving it time isn't it I think that that, yeah you're right it's about giving it time I think often people can think oh they've had one session or two sessions think no it doesn't work for me but actually if you know you allow yourself to to kind of get to know the therapist and the therapist to get to know you and how you're thinking and and the relationship can grow so what kind of um specific avenue have you I guess used like CBT or like DBT so I'm um what's called an intricative therapist uh so I'll explain that so my approach is person-centered so it's very much about the person and focusing on how the person experiences the here and now how they relate to the world and, and their relationships and uh, but what I also do and the reason integrative is because it brings I also bring in the psychodynamic side of it so which sounds a bit Freudian but basically um that's sort of looking at the childhood experiences and relationships around that person because we're informed by you know the relations we have around us um and whether those are positive or negative and, and what this means to that person and how these experiences inform their approach to life uh, in the here and now so it's kind of linking um, kind of childhood and growing up and whether it's attachment or you know thinking about those series as well bringing that into the here and now because that is as I said that's what informs how we approach life now I guess it's kind of like working out if where they've got to now is through nature or nurture mm, like yeah. what you know what they've experienced is it because of upbringing or is it because of like them as a person yeah do you think that it comes from kind of like 
childhood traumas, that's when it kind of, that's when the bad habits and the, you know, the mental health problems start. I think it's, uh, yeah, certainly can. I mean, trauma, um, you know, people are becoming more and more aware of the impact of trauma in childhood, you know, whether it be um, through domestic violence, sexual abuse, you know, war, war from you know, children from war zones, refugees, uh, the impact of trauma is, uh, you know, it, it's fundamental to a child's development and it can and it can and does impact on their development and, and then leading into adult life if the, if the person doesn't get an opportunity to be able to work through that in therapy. So, yes, to answer your question, um, it certainly does. It definitely happened with me. My childhood stuff definitely impacted my mental health now, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually, I think you know, as a child, you know, we have de- we have sort of natural defence mechanisms in place, and what happens is, as a child, we almost um, things can stop and freeze with us, and so, so we don't address it and we can't address it because we just don't have the emotional maturity or the language. If something happens when we're very, very young, we haven't got the language to articulate that. Yeah. So in adult life, when we start to build relationships, we start to engage other people, you know, in, in adult life and, you know, or even at school, um, then we start to realise the difficulties that we're having. And even that, it can take time to, to put that together and to work through that. So um, we're fascinating human beings. We did actually pick up on a quote yesterday, didn't we, that 50% of mental illnesses, are, is it diagnosed or formed by the age of 14 yeah and 75% applied it was 24 yeah which is like that's a that's a crazy figure isn't it 75 by the age 24 and 24 is so young yeah and that's and that's why you know people can question oh you know why does substance misuse and uh you know and, and other difficulties why do those things happen and it's because you know as we were talking about earlier you know a child can find things difficult to articulate to understand to process and also if they've not I guess been nurtured in a loving environment where they are able to you know they learn to be able to communicate effectively then that that again can create those problems absolutely what would you say people should expect when they come into therapy so what to expect so well it's an individual experience so everyone's experience of therapy will be very very different but I mean it's important to, that the person comes to therapy should feel autonomous and respected and it's important the therapist holds in mind and this is my view uh, that a client may not feel the therapist is for them they might not feel that they can relate to them and this could be due, due to difference so it could be race culture sexuality disability or English may not be the client's first language so they may not find it as easy to be able to communicate so they may know what their feelings are but it's important that the therapist understands it might take a bit longer or they might need to explore in slightly different ways um, and one would hope the therapist is competent in being able to work with the client in a transparent way. So maybe hear, hear the client's fears around the difference. Uh, and also they can expect empathy, understanding um, and the sense that the space, um, that they've got a space, like a 50 minute space that's completely interrupt, uninterrupted and, and that, that that's protected and that the client has, that the therapist has created that uninterrupted space for them. Um, so they are able to just bring whatever. I mean, there is a caveat to that. If, if, um, and I say this at the beginning of a block of sessions that, you know, whatever a client brings is completely confidential. Nothing is going to be shared with anyone unless a client shares something that leads me to believe that they could be at serious risk of harm. So that's not self-harm. If a client's speaking about self-harm, it's a safe space to do that. But if they're, they're at serious risk of harm, harming themselves or others, or if, they, if they're if they speaking about a person under the age of 18 and that 
child is at risk of harm, then I have a responsibility to report that. And wherever possible, I would speak to the client about that, unless, again, I felt there was a risk to myself or them. Basically, what they should expect is a safe space where they could be open yeah. and respected yes. and listened to. Yes, yeah, yeah, regardless of what they bring. So so sometimes a client might say, I feel really uncomfortable saying this, I've never told anyone this before. And so it's really important that they can, that that is the time when they're able to do that at their pace. Yeah, I've said that a lot. I've been yeah. like saying stuff that's really uncomfortable that I've never pro- actually processed in my mind before. And then it just comes out and I go, oh, my God, I never thought of that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing as well. So, you know, what to expect is to be able to, like you said, say something, but to be able to process it at your pace uh, and and also to because part of coming to therapy is learning to be able to process as well because some people don't you know they don't know how to do it they've never had to do it or maybe they have but not not realize that's what they're doing so it's it's being given the space to process it's learning how to process and being able to go away from the therapy and reflect on what's been talked about and, and think about how that can inform um their lives going forward yeah i've got this notebook so after each session i just write down everything so that i don't forget because <laughs> we've like <laughs> You yeah. come across such amazing things about yourself and you're like, I just don't want to forget it. And I yeah. just, like yeah. when I'm having a bad moment or whatever, I can read back to that and go, oh, yeah, because of yeah. this and this and this and just remind myself of what yeah. I've learned. I was just going to say, what's really important is that you feel able to do that. So you've got a relationship with your therapist where you're able to say, I'm, I'm just going to, I need to make notes or I'm going to make notes afterwards and that you can talk about doing that. That's really important. So just to kind of like, and secondhand question in is there a way for people that are going to therapy to know the difference between i'm i'm still yet to build trust with this therapist or this therapist isn't for me yeah i mean it's again it's very individual but i think it's important that i mean it's a really good question because what what none of us would want is for somebody to go to sort of five six seven sessions particularly if they're paying for it i think this isn't working yeah so i think it's very much it's a relationship isn't it but i think that's where the therapist really should be able to say you know what's happening here is and and they should be checking in so what i do is regularly check in with a client anyway and say how are you doing you know maybe after so we've booked eight sessions after four i would be saying let's just check in where we are what's working but let's talk about what's not working so it's important that that relationship, you know, that there's the transparency there, there's the congruence, you know, the honesty. Um, and, and I think, I mean, I would say after, I mean, this is just me, I can't speak for everybody, but I would say, you know, if, if you're kind of like four or five sessions in and you're thinking this really isn't working, then I would say that a conversation certainly needs to take place. Because it might be that there's the client speaks to the therapist, they have a conversation and go, actually, look, we're looking at this differently. Let's shuffle this up. Let's be a bit more open about this. And you might find actually having that conversation moves things forward. But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, uh, yeah, no, yeah, it does. It does. I think, I think again, like, like you said, it is very individual. And I guess mm. it's down to like, people's own decisions and people's own yeah. perceptions yeah. on like yeah. what they're doing so what do you believe like the benefits are of going to therapy so, so as, as a therapist i'd say um but i see it as a fantastic opportunity for someone to be able to learn about themselves um and also develop a positive relationship so some people haven't had that opportunity again so actually the counseling relationship is the first time that they've been able to build a relationship where there is trust and where there is honesty so, so that's that's a key benefit but also I would say sort of a sense of taking responsibility because by taking yourself to therapy you're saying actually I'm going to take responsibility for my feelings I'm going to stop blaming others I'm going to stop blaming the world I'm going to take this on myself and that's quite a big step so if it's bereavement therapy then it, it, you're looking at acceptance and denials and all those things around grief learning to cope with life's challenges sort of developing confidence 
and, and just kind of exploring opportunity to be different and to feel different about change and informing decisions as well, I would say. I mean, this, the list is endless. Manage anxiety. Yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> and I definitely felt like my confidence grew a lot. Mm-hmm. Because I had so much more understanding about myself that that just the result of that made my confidence just grow. So this is also like another quite open question. But how do you sitting opposite someone work out what Mm -hmm. kind of like steps need to be taken in someone's therapy journey to like benefit them in the most possible way? Like how do you kind of evaluate them and go, okay, I'm going to use this route? So um, firstly, it's the client's journey. So it's kind of what they're bringing. So I would say I'm there to facilitate their kind of thinking and thought processes and to assist them in engaging in that journey, sort of on their own journey, which they've chosen to go on. So I might draw on kind of theoretical approaches and but ultimately I work with the client to enable them to explore what they bring. So it's totally at their pace and they've got control over what they share. But like I was saying earlier, I kind of regularly check in, you know, how are you doing? You know, are we looking at what you want to look at? Because sometimes clients can feel, actually, I didn't come in to talk about that. But then they talk about something else and think, actually, that's what, that is the root of what I wanted to talk about. So I suppose what I'm saying is it's not something that could be planned. Uh, and it's really about what the client brings and then what they bring will kind of start the journey. So it's kind of, I suppose, sometimes I describe it as um, going into a room. So so we are, we're a room and there's, there's lots of drawers. And... There's drawers you're not going to open because they're jam-packed with just yeah. junk. And you can't look at that. It's going to be too much. And there's bits of it you might think, I'll come back to that. I know it's there. And, and that's where as a therapist, I can say, well, I know that person's talked about that. But actually, what seems to be more pressing is the bit at the front of the drawer, so to speak. So that's how I see the journey. It is kind of like unpacking and looking through and saying, well, what should we look at? What's easier to focus on? What's not easier to focus on? And, and I guess like making the uncomfortable comfortable, which is what you were saying, Liv, about things that, are, that were really uncomfortable to talk about. One thing that was amazing that I always found that you done was... Like you said, pulling open those drawers is like in later sessions when I'm just going to jump back to this. And I'm like, I didn't even remember saying that. Like, that's, like it's crazy because you're just blurting out all of this stuff. And then... <laughs> just like yeah. verbal diarrhea. Like, just, just going to jump back to this. <laughs> Your whole life. I'm, I'm, honestly, I don't even remember saying it. But yeah, sure, let's, let's, let's jump back. And that's that space, isn't it, where you've just been able to, like you said, empty the drawer. And it's also important as well as part of that journey to be able to say, you know, we've got our 50 minutes. But actually, yes, we've kind of pulled loads of stuff out. But then, you know, it's my responsibility as a therapist to go, actually, we've got about 15 minutes left of the session. How are you? Let's get let's get you back to feeling OK to be outside. So you're not leaving a session feeling really exposed and really emotional and having to go to a tap class or, you know, whatever it might be. But it's important that I do that. I manage that as a therapist and say, look, you know, even if sometimes a client might say, well, I just wanted to talk about this and we've got five minutes. And I'll say, look, I know you want to, but actually hold it. And then let's let's look at it, or you can share it with me. But we're not going to open it up, and then we'll look at it. We'll look at it next week. Yeah, there's nothing worse than having like opening up those wounds and then just having them yeah. exposed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think I do think that the, the therapist has got a responsibility to kind of manage manage the emotions of the client because it's really there's really difficult stuff coming out, really really emotional stuff coming out in sessions. Yeah. What would you say your opinion is behind medication? So, um, so I'm a medical professional, um, so I can't comment from that perspective. What I will say is when a client's asked about taking medication, like prescribed medication, um, 
I always say that the GPs obviously made an assessment and they feel that, you know, they've concluded that this is the best course of action at this time for you. And then I'd just say, I would say that the medication assists a client in being able to, you know, if they're feeling quite anxious and quite upset and, and depressed and they take medication, it takes a couple of weeks to kick in, then it does make it easier to, to access the therapy and to be able to talk about things and to be able to hear themselves say things and then go away from the therapy and then think I'm okay with that because I know I'm going to talk about that next week and then just things will sit better whereas if you know if you if a GP feels you need medication but you haven't wanted to take it and you're going to therapy sometimes that can uh it can be it can it can be a bit tricky not always but with that said some people choose not to and can quite successfully go through therapy and and not feel and that's where cbt is quite good i'm not a cbt therapist at the beginning but cbt is quite good if if somebody doesn't want to take therapy because you take take therapy take medication because it, it kind of um you're given quite specific things to do it is a talking therapy but you've been talking therapy but you're given quite specific things to do so that can be helpful but um i also say with with medication um it's a bit like going to the gym or exercising and having a healthy diet so the two can go together you've got your therapy medication and you're you're kind of you're putting yourself in quite a good place and you know therapy doesn't have to be you know it can be a six month a dose of six months you can really work through uh, through some stuff and then um you know you can kind of find that actually i want to want to carry on with the therapy but come off the medication or, or vice versa. And do you think kind of not having therapy, but being on the medication, would that kind of have the same effects? I think it's very much down to the individual. And I think that if that person's got a, a good relationship with their GP, that they might feel that they catch up with their GP a couple of times a week on the phone and take the medication and that's enough. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's very individual. I would, I would never say somebody should or shouldn't. I think it's very individual. And I said, because I'm not a medical professional, it's not for me to say. So what stigmas kind of lie behind therapy that you really kind of want to squash and correct? I think it's, it's, it's what people think of it um, as an individual. I think it's, so there are the, the obvious stigmas. As I was saying earlier, I think, so first mental health, I think we think about mental health and automatically people think, oh God, mental health. But actually it's like physical health. We can have good mental health and we can have not so good mental health so it's thinking about it like that and actually it might be temporary you know you might not be feeling great most people do at some point in their lives have a time when they're not feeling great and then um you know and then other times generally you can be in a pretty good place so that that I always try to kind of promote that, that that it's about how your mental health is and well-being but I think some of the some of the things I think worry people about coming to so um things like I think it's going to be a clinical environment I think it's going to be like going to the dentist you know being in the <laughs> chair or on a on a stretcher um and also i think people think they're going to be forced into talking about things they don't want to talk about and it's a bit like confession where they're going to have to say things and not having an understanding actually it's, it's about you you know the autonomy is it's, it's about the person saying what they want to if they want to and they can stop when they want and i think there's also the the view of uh people sometimes don't feel justified so for example um if someone wants to go and talk about debt they might think well it's only debt why am i going to therapy about that yeah. not realizing actually that there's addiction behind it and there's lots of other aspects of, of of being in debt and I think for, for men as well I mean I, I don't know your experience of talking to them but I think generally it's like oh men don't need to go for therapy what do you want to go and do all that and yeah. so it's and, and women go because they're emotional and they talk and so there's all that around it as well so those are the kind of the obvious things to me I think there's probably a lot more as well isn't there but, but the general feeling around it and I know people are saying it's getting better yes I think it is but I think there's still a really long way to go yeah yeah I agree yeah, I think we're a very, very long way off of where we need to be. I think I've always had this um, opinion that everyone, I mean, in a in a perfect world, I think everyone should have therapy from a certain age. I think everyone needs that. Like, I think it would be 
so beneficial yeah. for people to just understand why you are the way you are and how you got here because like you said as a child you probably suppress so much because you can't vocalize it but like yeah. it leaks out in your behaviors and emotions and you don't yeah. don't even realize but that yeah. that'd be a perfect world anyway well i think it, and, and you're right because it is it's kind of what's built into our, what we call our self-belief system so we have like what we call confirmation bias where you kind of automatically for example if a child's always told they're shy or you're shy or yeah, yeah, yeah and they're kind of but they believe it i think yeah, okay yeah well that is like a self-fulfilling prophecy well i'm shy and actually you know they can go to therapy and think i was always i was always told i was shy and explore that with a therapist so like, well are you shy no, not really. Actually, I could be quite assertive, and so it's learning. You know, learning those things about yourself. And, and as you said, as a child, you, you're, you're always told something, and and actually, it's quite possibly not true. And and the other thing that's that's quite kind of, I guess, quite helpful to think about is that feelings are feelings aren't always facts so if you're really really angry about something then yeah you are angry and that's a fact but actually if you feel that people perceive you in a certain way it doesn't mean they do that you just feel that so it's thinking about you know feelings aren't always facts they're not always what's actually happening it's kind of how you're seeing it and then it's trying to look at things in a different way yeah if that makes sense no yeah, no, yeah, it does, yeah completely So to round up, therapy isn't as bad as you may think. And again, like you said, it's a very personal experience. So I guess don't knock it until you try it because yeah. everyone's experience is different. So Lizzie, next steps for anyone that has kind of listened and been like, okay, you know what? I kind of want to, I'm interested in going down this route. What are kind of like the next steps? So if you are a student at London Studio Centre, then you can email me directly, lizzieduberney at londonstudiocentre.ac.uk, all my details are on Diva. If you're not at the Studio Centre and you, you're interested in therapy, I would say the first thing to would be, go to, would be to go to the uh, counsellingdirectory.co.uk and um, all the counsellors on there are, they're verified and they are members of either the BACP, which is the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy, or UKCP, which is uh, psychotherapy. And it's their bodies that they, to, to be registered with them you need to be a reputable, reputable counsellor what you'll find on the counselling directory is there'll be a photograph of the therapist and then there'll be a list of the areas that they work in and there'll be their fees and where they are if you'd like to go and see them some most counsellors are online at the moment for obvious reasons but that, that you can um some some will still see people in person if that's what you prefer but then you'll get a real idea of what that what that counsellor does and, and how they can support you and then I would suggest I have a telephone conversation with them and remember that it's your you're choosing your therapist so in a sense speak to them find out whether you like you know you might have a conversation with a therapist and then think actually that person's not for me you could go and have one or two sessions and still feel and, and therapists know that as well so just really you know think about what you want out of therapy and think about the sort of person that you'd like to work with as well if you can't afford private therapy then go to your gp and ask for a referral for counseling and then they'll refer you on and it, it, it can take quite a long time because the pandemic is taking a lot longer um but but that's what i would suggest if you go to your gp then they should be able to refer you also some private counselors do offer concessions for students so it's worth bearing that in mind as well and if you have private health care you should be able to get therapy that way as well thank you so much for coming on lizzie thank you for inviting me it has been amazing and beyond insightful yeah so yeah honestly thank you so much yeah as always guys if you have any questions about what we spoke about then feel free to drop us a dm and we will try and answer as best as possible but <laughs> as always i've been l and i've been Liv, and we will see you next week we love you bye don't forget guys to drop us a like or a review on apple Podcasts and follow us on spotify
or even jump onto our Instagram at Wine and Problems. See you next, See you next week. week.